Good evening, boys and girls, and welcome to Fireside, a weekly podcast in which I chat with Dan about what we've been playing and doing this week. Hey guys, welcome to episode 32 of Fireside. I'm your host Dave Haldane and as always I'm joined by Dan Lehman. How Evening. are you? I'm alright, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. I'm thirsty so let's get this intro I'm out of the thirsty. way and we'll get started on the beers, <laughs> yeah? Uh, this week we are going to be talking about Zombicide, Dan the Man, the game, <laughs> not the co-host, <laughs> and uh, Mr. Robot. The Android game, I believe, yeah? Indeed. Um, I also want to briefly revisit uh, a game we discussed in Net 14, Blockus. Just want to discuss a particular variant of that. All right, no worries. Um, but before we start um, and introduce this week's beer, um, I did want to do something that's sort of a bit of a no-no in any reviewer's handbook, and that's that I want to rejig some of my old ratings for the beer. So, Ooh. yeah. Here we go. So yeah. earlier today, I, um, I created a... a I want to say an official recommendation thread for beer. I basically, I, I created a thread in the forums rather than just including it in general discussion, which is where it was before, um, listing our scores, how we've gone so far, what we've tried, seeing yep. what people um, recommend, etc., etc. putting in the filters so I can filter out all the, I don't drink beer comments. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks for your input. And uh, anyway, going through that list, I realized that I'd rated some of them too high and others too low. And not really giving myself enough wriggle room. I think you noticed last week with Captain's mm. IPA. You were, you were, you were yeah, stuck there. I was like, yeah. oh, I want to give it a... <laughs> and I forgot that you went more granular and I could have gone 3.75. Yeah. Yeah. Go down to the quarter anyway, of fire stones. Oh, well. So I sent you an email earlier in the yep. week. But for our listeners, so this is sort of what we're, we're thinking about for our Firestein rating. So one Firestein is something that we'd basically consider undrinkable. Uh, two Firesteins is a below average beer. Three Firesteins is an average beer, not bad, but not special either. And I don't mean average as in the average of what we've drunk. I mean average as in not special, not crap. Uh, four Firesteins is better than average. It's a brew that we gladly drink on any given opportunity. And five Firesteins is the very epitome of brewing mastery. It's the envy of other beers and desire of <laughs> All consumers. The envy of other beers. Oh, David, Dan gave me a five. Yeah, I fucking lauded over the rest. Devel's been sitting there in the fridge going, yeah, I need my own shelf. My shelf's made of glass. I don't, see, I don't see the double D stamp of approval on the side of Dan Murphy's shelf anywhere. Hmm. What I see is beer awards and brewers awards. No, and, I see know. that in the future. Screw their notes and brewers awards. It's yeah, the double little... D stamp of approval. Yeah, and ours will be like a hand scrawled sharpie pen one. Not that you know, there's a gold stamp on wine. Yeah, ours will be the same thing, but a sharpie scrawled. Not that it'll just be typed. Yeah, Ariel sixteen point font. Now Comic Sans. That's the <laughs> Comic Sans. <laughs> that's the professional font of of legends. Um, so here's the changes that I've made. So Mildura Asta from the first episode comes down from a 3.5 to a 3. Uh, Hugart and Whit Blanch goes from... Whit Blanch? Whit Blanc. Uh, Whit Blanch, I think. Yeah. Hugart and Whit Blanch. Hogart, mate. Hogart and Whit Blanch goes from a 4 to a 4.5, which brings it in line with the DeVille. Um, and the Captain's IPA goes from a 3.5 up to a 4. 
and I feel better, and you all think that my scoring is terrible. But that's all right, because I'm not anywhere near a sophisticated... What if that helps you sleep at night, buddy? <laughs> a sophisticated Raider of beer, anyway. All right, so this week's beer is... Sopporo. It is a uh, Japanese beer that was originally brewed in 1876. Wow. It doesn't look a day over big. So, yeah. So, the Japanese brewmaster, Seibei... Nakagawa. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. See your boss and Mario Brothers. <laughs> oh, I should have said it. Well, Whatever. I didn't think it was the Makatomi builder get a diehard, but keep going. <laughs> anyway, he was trained in Germany, uh, had a true press, uh, blah, 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 blah. Where's the interesting stuff? Uh, authentic brewing techniques, quality local ingredients. He developed a perfectly balanced golden light. Sorry, let me do this properly. <clears throat> <clears throat> trained in Germany. Seibei had a true passion for his craft. With authentic brewing techniques and quality ingredients, he developed a perfectly balanced golden lager. As a former frontier town, the northern city of Sapporo has become the home of Japan's oldest brewery. Sapporo premium beer is brewed with the Japanese attention to detail. So the boob physics are exceptional. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The slow cool fermentation balances delicate hops and esters with a full malt character. The authentic brewing techniques and quality ingredients used have produced a crisp, crisp and refreshing lager beer. Is it crisp, Dan? Is it Mm. refreshing? Is it lager? Is it beer? All of the above. Oh, yummy. Yummy. (laughs) Yummy, yeah. <laughs> this is why Dan's haven't gone. <laughs> gone what, what are the ratings I've given Ooh, stuff yummy, so far? It's yummy. I'm giving this a three point yeah. five. I've said something was yummy, something was grouse. <laughs> You're talking about toffee and bitterness, and until <laughs> you say this is bulk, mate, uh, or tops, I don't think you've really hit rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first one? Bulk, bulk. I've Don't never you, heard that. You never said that. Oh, mate, that's bulk. Never. That's grouse. Okay, maybe. bulk. Wouldn't that mean common? Anyone who's uh, 41 or over might remember um, back in primary school when we used to say things were bulk, they were ace, they were grouse. Bulk, ace, grouse. Hmm. I'm not over 41, so there's a problem. Right, so that's what I'm saying. That's why you don't recall it. (laughs) All right. All righty. Well, first game. Uh, Before we get into the first Mm. game... Blocus. 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 That's us. Blocus Maximus. Um, new name for the podcast. <laughs> Blocus. Right. So we discussed in Act 14, and, and you know, anyone who wants to uh, know more about it can go back to that episode. Um, but I wanted to briefly touch on the three-player variant. Um, so for those that uh, haven't yet played it, um, there are four colours, and they do have a specific play order. Uh, ideally, it's four players. Each player has one of those colours, and everything's fine. Um if you have two players, then you each own two colours um, and you play them in the appropriate order. So I think the order is blue, red, yellow, green, or blue. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, doesn't really doesn't matter. matter. There is a particular order. When there's three players, and I only just found this out uh, a week or two back. What? No, actually... you found out on episode 14. You just forgot. What? <laughs> Did thought... you mention the three-player variant? Yeah, because the first game I played with Nell oh. and Rance was three players. I honestly don't remember it. Maybe I should go back and listen to it 14. <laughs> But the, the, when you the play the two-player Tokaido variant, and there's the uh, uh, yeah. Mr., uh, the pretend third player. Just remember, we talked about that too. Okay, I know we talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole point is that that fourth colour then rotates around each player on each round. Mm. So you 
ultimately, you know, if it was three of you, then every third turn you get a chance to use that fourth colour to block other players in your favour, but then they get the same advantage in future rounds. It added a hell of a lot of extra dimension to the game that I hadn't anticipated. Yeah, it's um, quite surprising, isn't and it? And it was, it, was, it was pretty damn cool. So if you haven't yet picked up blockers, do it, and just find two other players to play with. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> because and pi- it completely and pick it up changed quick the game because, for me. Because um, I've dropped it. Have I? Yeah. Oh, I've dropped wow. production off it. It's gone the way of Hero Quest. The best thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if that had set you off. Yeah, you would. All right. Anyway, do yourself a favour. Hashtag get on it. Fuck us. <laughs> so, first game. Yeah, the first game is Zombicide. So, I've played this a couple of times now. Um, both times I've played Black Plague. I've seen the other versions playing, and I must admit I'm a bit of a sucker for the uh, production quality of it. So, it's a... Uh, I guess you'd call it a zombie variant of a dungeon crawler, hmm. um, role-playing, light, questy board game, <laughs> questy thing. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the way it works is you've got a set series of quests, set objectives, and ways that you can achieve them. It's a cooperative game for, I think it says two to six players, but if you're playing with two or three players, you have to play two or three characters each, yeah. which kind of gets a bit annoying. But So, first thing to mention, the instructions are awful. Oh, my God. Absolutely awful. For, all the information is in there to an extent, but it is extremely hard to reference. Mm. Um, and I spent a lot of time looking up rules on Board Game Geek. And that was especially important in this game because... Only two of us had ever played it before. I'd played it twice and Tim had played it once. Everybody else was new. Yeah. So every time something came up, there was a big discussion yeah. about... That game took a lot longer to play than it normally should have, I imagine. Um, and and I'm, like most other games, after my first run through, I'm dead keen to play it a second time. And reasonably soon, while the rules are fresh in my head, <laughs> um, to... to, a, you know, to sort of understand it at its full potential. Yeah, I think it'll be better. That It's one of those games. It's a bit unfair to judge it now based on that experience. And that's why I wanted to bring up that it was all hmm. the first time. It was my first time running the game as well. So one thing I learned then was that it's very different to be a participant in a game with someone else who knows how to play the rules yep. and be the guy who knows the rules. Normally yeah. I'm the guy who knows the rules and I've poured through the instruction book before we play. So the only referencing I'm doing is, is you know, double-checking stuff, whereas yep. we sort of went into this blind because it's um, quite an involved game with quite a large rule book. It'll take you, take you a long yeah. time to read through. The rule book was a bloody magazine. <laughs> it was, but... Yeah, look, we've already touched on it, but the problem I had with it was even simple things like combat. Yeah. They weren't covered in a logical order, and, and the the instructions for one part or one mechanic was segmented yeah. throughout the book. It was ridiculous. It um, was. Not but, only did you spend most of the time with your nose in the book, you were darting so, so many times between sections just to get a ruling on a particular <laughs> facet of the game. And trying to listen to the three opinions oh that were being thrown at God. me simultaneously. At one point I was just sitting, you know, and this this is something you rarely hear from me, but I just sat there with my mouth shut watching everyone else like, carry on. Well, <laughs> you were shooting me glances. I did notice a couple of uh, meaningful looks between each other of, fucking hell, what are we doing oh, here? Look, it, was, it was a bit rough. And, and you know, look... Um, it was great in that it was a game that um, that was accessible even to is it Aiden 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, Simonson? Yeah, Aiden wants to play it again. He's, How old is he? Uh, eight, nine, ten? Seven or eight. Yeah. I so, think he's just had I mean, his he's, he's, he's clearly is a smart kid, so that, that you know, no... We've no talked about him on the podcast before. He's yeah. a smart kid that... that Creamed us at yeah. Small World. The yeah, first, exactly. Yeah. Um, so there was no issue there, and, and he got what was going on. But at the same time, he was very excited about playing the game, and there was a lot mm. of cross-chatter going on, which made it difficult to grasp some of the more complex of the rules yeah well especially when so you had a whole bunch of differing opinions on the strategy that yeah, we should adopt it was that um and the bottom line is that the in those sorts of games that the strategy you adopt is whoever's turn it is yeah. they have final say yep um but or anyway the, look yeah, it, it's the, the the leader or whatever they've got that token yeah yeah oh, that's right the round yep. token it's It's an interesting game. One of the problems I had with the rules is that some of them don't make sense. One rule, for example, is when you're dual-wielding weapons. Yep. So it takes, what, three hits to kill an abomination? Mm -hmm. So if you're carrying two weapons that do two damage, dual-wielding means that you can kill two zombies of two damage or less. You can't combine them to kill an abomination. And that's one of the small things that doesn't make sense. Sorry, is it hits that kill an abomination or do you need to use the fire on those? That's what I'm saying. You need to use an instant kill on oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. or Sorry. something yeah. that has a strength of three or more. But if I'm dual wielding two swords and they do two damage each, yeah. I don't think I can kill two walkers instead of using them both to augment my strength against one. Stuff like that. There's um, a bile that you can set on fire to create an explosion. And you can only set that on fire with a particular item, a torch, that you can find when searching a room. Yeah, there was also... You, we, you yeah. can't use a fireball. You can't, you can't well, use... So uh, we, we, we did have a house rule. That. rule. We yeah, house ruled that spell. That. But the, the point of that... The reason that house rule isn't in there yeah. is because there are enough torches in the deck to make it balanced. And if you throw in that house rule, you begin to favour the players a bit too much. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so... That aside, the things I did appreciate about it, um, the build quality to start with. Oh, yeah. My God, those beautiful 3D figures are just yeah. fantastic. So here's the thing, right? That that build quality, sorry to cut you off, but the reason I bought Black Plague yeah. instead of the other one was because of the build quality. Mm. So they all have the same quality uh, miniatures. Yep. That's not different between the versions. What you get in Black Plague that you don't get in the other are these little character stands. And they're moulded plastic with a slider for your experience. Little plugs to put um, pins in for what skills slots you unlock. Slots for the cards you... so you can arm left hand, right hand on yep. dual wielding. And a little slot Five to slots stand for your them up. Yeah. The whole lot, yeah. It is, it is absolutely astounding, the player... Um, the player... What do you know. call it? That thing. Your your little player card. Yeah, it's, like, an, a, it's like a placement bit of plastic, whatever, yeah. 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 In the other versions of the game, that's a cardboard sheet and it's all cards face up on the table. Yeah. You know, munchkin style. Yep. Which works perfectly well, um, but it doesn't have that same appeal, right? Yeah. And the build quality like that. So you'll have, what is it, two variants of each monster? There are two different types of walker. There's, yeah. a, there's these monsters Easily called fatties. Two or three different types of runners. Yeah. There's two fatties. Yeah, yeah, and one's holding his guts in, and the other's just walking. So you, when you're playing, yeah. you feel that there's more variety than. Oh no, that was it. Was, yeah, tremendously good quality. Um, so I appreciated that. Um, the mechanics of the game itself, with the rotating turn leader, um, and the uh, the bit that I liked the most was was it three actions per turn is your yeah. 
base, but then you might have other abilities or spells or whatever else that might give you additional turns. Mm. And those, those, or sorry, those actions can be in the form of um, move, spell, make uh, noise, search a search, room, all make sorts a noise, of a whole, bunch, a whole of bunch of stuff. But um, the point is that you get. Um, yeah, certain number the, of things, and you have to divvy the up. The fact your... that it's turn based, not time based, mm. means that you do have the opportunity, as a good cooperative game should give you, um, the opportunity to sit and strategize every mm. single move as much as you need to, or as little as you need to. Mm-hmm. It's simple. We want to attract the abomination in this direction because we planted a bunch of dragon bile. Okay, everyone, let's make some noise for the next few turns, etc., etc., etc. So um, I really appreciated those aspects of the game. However, um, I do need to play it a second time without all that <laughs> confusion that reigned because it took us a good. It felt like almost two hours. I, I don't think it was that long, but it felt like I a think long it game. was over two hours. Oh, was it? Okay. It took it, me about twenty minutes to set up. It certainly felt like a bloody long game, and I, I yeah. think in you know looking at that now, it'll probably be much shorter on the second run. Oh, with definitely. people that understand yeah, yeah, yeah. it, yeah. it'd definitely be a better game to play again. Um, some of the things I like about the game. At the end of each turn, you spawn zombies. They're continually spawning throughout the game. That's kind of the whole zombie That's thing, the point. right? Yeah. Um, and the way it works is you draw a card and it's got four levels. And the level of zombie and the difficulty is based on the player who has the highest experience. So your experience bar yeah. is segmented into four sections. Um, Blue, there's a yellow, short one at orange. the start, a big yeah. one in the middle, a medium one near the end, and then a really short one for the high level. The goal of that is that you don't want to power level one character or have one person running around getting absolutely anything because what they're going to do is spawn more difficult and more numerous uh, zombies. And, and the rest of the players yeah, will be the rest ill-equipped of the players to deal with will them. Be Ill-equipped. Yeah. yeah, they won't be able to, to, yeah. to deal with them. And the other thing I liked was when you level up, you actually get to select. So you've got variable player powers. No matter which character you select, your level up skills and your base skills vary. Yep. Skills? I'm not sure that's the right word. Rewards, Everyone has the same base moves. You yeah. get some perks, I guess it's... Well, you gain extra powers or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, like, for example, Dan had one where um, he was... Um, his first spell was Spellcaster. Uh, his first ability was Spellcaster, which let him, for free, cast yeah. a spell each turn. Uh, mine allowed me to move and attack. I was a berserker nun. Yep. So I could charge in an attack and have that as a single move instead of... One move, attack. Um, one move to move. Yeah. One move to attack. Everything varied based on the player. So I'm a real fan of variable player powers when they're even like that. But when you leveled up, you get to pick how your character develops according to... Yeah, so when you leveled up to, say, yellow, the next one up from blue, there might have been a choice of two different things. Oh, from this point forward, I can gain an extra action or mm-hmm. I can, I don't know, wield an extra two-handed weapon or whatever yeah. the buddy skill might be. Um, so it gave you a bit of choice to influence, as you said, influence your character's direction. Yeah. Very good. So in summary, there's one thing that I learned from the weekend. There are games like how you feel about Talisman is how I feel about Hero Quest and Descent. Yep. Right? I haven't been able to replicate that with Dungeons & Dragons, Temple of Elemental Evil, I think it's called, <laughs> or Wrath of a Shardalan. Yep. I haven't been able to replicate that with um, Zombicide. I have to an extent with Super Dungeon Explore. And Amelia said something on the weekend that I think has made me realise what it is I don't like about these games, personally. Not a fault of the game, it's something for me. She said to me that it felt like it was too 
to middle ground between an RPG, which is what she plays, yep. so the full RPG, talking, full character development, yep. you know, Dungeon Master, Dragon, sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, it's too much middle ground between that and a board game like Heroes Quest. Yeah. Or Hero Quest, whatever Hero it's Quest. The best thing about Hero Quest is the name. Hero Quest. <laughs> um, so I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it because it made me realize that I think that's what I don't like about it. Mm. It's too complex to be a basic board game. And if I want to go to that level of depth, yeah. then I want to go and play an RPG. I don't want and to play it. Zombicide is not a full-blown RPG. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not either side and I tend to prefer either side. So that's yeah. just me perfectly. Super Dungeon Explorer, interestingly enough, which is a current game, plays that ground perfectly. It's right. very simple. It's more about dungeon crawling than it is about the RPG elements, but the RPG is the driving thing to play. And same with Crossmaster, which we'll play one day. Um, anyway. Cool. Well, look, I, I enjoyed it, and I definitely want to play it a second time. Um, there's a fair bit of depth, but I think it's, a, it's an enjoyable cooperative game. All right, next game is Dan the Man. Now, this is a game from Half Brick Studios, which... Okay, normally I'm a fan of pretty much anything these guys put out. I've said it on either this podcast or the other before. I was at PAX one year and they were in amongst all the um, indie game devs who thought they were giant game devs reaching up and spending five minutes talking about themselves before asking a fucking question. Sorry, I digress. Um, <laughs> anyway, when they were talking about it, they were talking about um, their, their process of developing a game. So they have an idea and it takes them about couple of weeks to four weeks to make the game and then it takes them months and months and months of tweaking yeah they tweak the angle of the fruit in fruit ninja they tweak the speed increase in um jetpack joyride all that sort of stuff they're down at bus stops with ipads getting people to test out their game they're going to conventions and testing they're taking all that feedback processing it Blah, blah, blah. I have a great deal of respect for someone who works like that on their games. So normally Half Brick Studios, ignoring the fact that all their games are free off the bat and have microtransactions to varying degrees, um, I always purchase their games. This game I actually saw a uh, pixel art picture of a king sitting on a toilet playing the game on his mobile phone. (laughs) It's the king from the game playing the game that he was in. I clicked it. I saw Half Brick. I went, cool. Totally I downloaded it. (laughs) I've since learned that it's actually only a soft launch in Australia and New Zealand. The rest of the world don't have it yet. So, anyway. Down the man. It is a (sighs) pixel art 8-bit, well, 16-bit inspired platform game on a mobile phone. You have left, right on the left-hand side of the screen. Um, the virtual buttons on yep. the screen, and on the right side you have jump and attack. Pretty straightforward. That is it. It's a platformer. Okay. Yep. It's a. You know what? This is one of the. Um, well, I'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all there is to it. But it is so chock full of character and so well balanced that it is just an absolute joy to play. I think since I've got it, I've finished it. I've finished the main story about five times. And I've gone back every week to do the weekly challenges, which range from speed runs to arenas where you've got to kill X number of enemies in a certain amount of time. And each time you kill an enemy, you get an extra certain number of seconds on the clock and all this sort of stuff. It is a really, really amazing game for two reasons. One, it's an amazing platformer. And secondly, 
it's an amazing transformation to a, a mobile phone game. I never thought I would like a platformer on a mobile phone with virtual buttons. I hate that. I've normally. got to tell you, everyone I've tried, I've hated. Everyone just feels like a poor imitation. I recommend you give this one a try. Okay. It is. It feels so natural and easy to use that I, I'm rarely, you know, pressing a button and it's the wrong thing. So I'm, yeah. I'm one of those guys that I've never thought touchscreen controls will take off. I'm, I'm really all about the tactile feel and yeah. the, the response. You're totally right. Yeah. I mean, how often are we used to just having our thumb on a D-pad? Yeah. Knowing which way is left, right, up, down. You're yeah. absolutely right. So what it is, is it's a, a group called Studio Joho. They did a web series, right? Yeah. Web series? No. It's a, a you know YouTube animated series. Yep. It was just this little 8-bit pixel art comedy stuff. It's freaking hilarious the first so the first one Dan the man um, wakes up comes out of his house walks to the right there's a ninja guy there he punches him a cup the ninja punches him a cup he beats him up and he falls off the screen he gets a coin and goes ooh and then he goes on and punches a few others and then there's a princess in the tower and he goes and punches a chest and he gets a key and then a big boss appears and he gets a ninja star and he's throwing the ninja star and he rescues the princess and then he takes her back to the house and then she wants a car so he finds a shop <laughs> and the car, car he's got 650 gold coins and the car is 599 so he gets out of the car and then he goes back to the house and there's a guy in a um, uh, an earth mover there and he's digging her a pool and she turns around and punches him and one of your coins falls out and she gives that to the guy and slowly she just ends up basically running him broke he ends up in debt and then the guys come to reclaim it and this that and the other and he ends up dying. You so your lives go eight-bit reality. Yeah, and then your lives go from three down to two, and the, and the level starts again, oh, right? Awesome. And he goes up to the um, goes up to the the castle, fights his way there again. He grabs the key, immediately turns around. She, the princess, gets a little question mark above her head. Runs back he to the the guy the... in the shop, gives him the key to the princess, and then <laughs> and then level one ends, he right? Fucks off, I love it. Uh, <laughs> You've got to check it out. The Dan, oh, so the Dan the Man web comics. There's seven of them. They're the yeah. first seven levels of this imaginary game. Yep. Half Brick took on, and they've made level eight, and that's the game that you play. Right. It is hilarious. It is really enjoyable to play. Okay. Um, oh, one thing I do want to mention is that the um, the microtransactions can be a little bit annoying if you don't want to spend money. So, as you go through the level, there are these statues. Smash the statue and um, he drops the TV. Yep. I think it's a naked, um, muscled version of the, the Fat King. <laughs> right? And he drops the TV. And you can tap on that and you can watch a 30-second ad to get an item. Right? Yep. Um, I think at a halfway point in every level, there'll be a 30-second ad to continue. Uh, it, yep. it felt a little bit intrusive. Um, and the cost to remove ads completely, which means you get every item for free, was five ninety nine. Um, halfway through playing the game, I was enjoying it enough that I paid it, and I don't regret it at all. Yep. Um, there's an expansion where you get a whole new character, uh, Barry from Jetpack Joyride, but that's seven ninety nine. And I'm like, Ooh, it's Jesus. a lot of money. Like, I really enjoy the game. So you're up at thirteen bucks if you get the expansion. So if you get it, try it out. And once you've played the first couple of levels, I think the five ninety nine is worth it. Okay. Personally, it's got that much longevity and replayability for a mobile game. You'll know after two levels whether you're enjoying the play style and whether you can use the. Which you can play just using the ad supported 
You can play the yeah. entire experience okay. without paying a cent. Okay. All but right. if you want to get free items as you progress, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, then you watch a 20 to 30 second ad. See, in Farmville, I don't mind 20 to 30 second ads. In a platformer, it really feels more intrusive. But, yeah. you know, yeah. what Everyone's are they, they going to do? Half brick so. have to make yeah. money, right? Yeah, of course. And, and no one... Yeah, look, everyone everyone deserves to earn a buck, especially yeah. if it's a good, you know, a good game or whatever it is they're they're making here. So, but their previous, I think that it must stem from their previous um, endeavours not having paid off. So, Fruit Ninja and, and Jetpack Joyride are the two obvious biggies. Yeah, um, and they were free, and I've I don't think I've spent a cent. Oh, there was a paid version yeah. of Fruit Ninja. There was. Yeah, it was always paid on iOS and stuff, but that, yeah. that always seems to be the case. They smashed it with that, though, from what I've been led to believe. But that's because they got it right. Yeah. They they had the idea, they got the game, and then they did the research. That was the one they were talking about in the, the thing at the start. Yeah. Um, and they spent the months researching to make sure that when it went out, it was, it was perfect. And they've... The thing is, they keep revisiting it. The teams keep developing it. It's not one of those things where, let's employ a whole bunch of people, let's get this game out, right, fuck off most of the team, and let's start a new project. So, so what, they reckon they can keep improving that game? Well, it's just been released in VR. It's already been on Xbox Connect. Actually, I can see it working in VR, though. Yeah, that's... Totally. Sounds pretty cool, but... I don't know. I love the uh, the phone game. Side topic from that... And this isn't eating into the time for this game. So, <laughs> one thing I thought about with this podcast, I've been listening to it during the week. Yep. Um, you know, going over trying to find the bits with the beers. It's <laughs> nice that I started timestamping it. It makes it a lot easier to find. But I was thinking about it. One thing. Okay, so we do the Another Dungeon website and we review video games and board games. Yep. Amelia and I pretty much review um, board games. And everyone on the team reviews video games. One thing I've found, both in talking about video games and in reviewing them, it is infinitely easier to talk about or review a video game than it is a board game. Because video games seem to have a base that you can assume... Like when I was talking to you about Dan the Man right now, I told you it was a platform. But it's simple. right? There's a simple explanation. Video games are entirely about the visual. Board games are not. Board games... necessarily. Well... I think okay, it's let me, I think let me it's word that differently. Board game, uh, sorry, video games have to appeal visually before anything else. Board games do not. That's the difference. You need to be mm. able to look at a couple of screenshots on the Play Store and go, that looks like a game I'm interested in. Versus a board game, you're going to read the blurb or whatever and, and more often than not go, oh, based on the description, that sounds like a game I might like playing. There's... Yeah, maybe There's a little bit of a difference. The other thing is that video yeah. games don't have the tactile. They don't have the... All they have is sound and, 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 and vision. That's okay. it. No, I, th- I, I honestly believe I use the same process to select a video game. You might game use the same game. process, but you're only talking about two senses when it comes to a video game. There's more than that with a, a, a physical game that you interact with on the table. To an extent, but how I feel when I play a game. Like, all right, Assassin's Creed. You love Assassin's Creed. Oh, of course I do. Right. Have you played any third-person adventure games that just feel crap? Not like, really. Um, okay. Well, that's not a good example. It's probably not a good example because I've played lots of those. All right, take it. All right, here's an example. Then take a platformer, Mario Brothers. Right? Nintendo nailed what makes the, a platformer feel right? The difference yeah. is, though, in a video game, more often than not, the only person they have to satisfy is the one player that's in front of the screen. More often than not. 
Yeah. Tabletop games? More. It's it's usually two plus. You, you've yeah, got to appeal to... I suppose. And, and, and it's a different but experience. I don't, You're interacting yeah. with friends around the table or family or whatever. Okay. It's... Yeah. I know you're saying you use the same process in terms of a review. It only has to appeal in a couple of dimensions to one person, the player. Yeah. That's it. That's... I don't know. Maybe I'm oversimplifying, but... Um, to me, no. Just... I, I think it's because in a in a board game. All right, I explain. I say a game is a platformer. Yep. You've immediately got in your head Mario, uh, Rain Man, yeah, Donkey Kong. You know, You've yeah. got a base concept. Yeah. To an extent, I can say that with a uh, board game. I can say it's a card drafting game, and you'll go, "Oh yeah, I've got the basic idea." But it's not the same because Dominion is nothing like Sushi Go. Is nothing like Seven One. Well, Sushi Go and Seven One is somewhat similar. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's. When we explain a board game like Blockus, you have to explain how to play the game in order to explain why you think a particular element is good. When you're describing a video game, say um, I played a game called um, Inside recently. Yep. And I can just say that it's a platformer that the control of the character feels perfect. The way he jumps and everything just feels right. And that's all I need to say, and I've got that entire topic covered. I don't need to first explain how you press A to jump, and then you do this, and the whole puzzle solution is that you do this, 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 this. I think we're kind of making the same point, though, and that is, in my mind, a video game is a simpler animal. It's only going to appeal to a couple of senses and only to the one player in front of the screen. I think we're making the same point, but with different things, because I think... Or from different angles. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's not actually a topic. Our next topic was a game from you. Um, now, here is where we would normally insert an ad from Wooshka. However, I have since learnt that um, they're not actually doing ads yet. Um, so we said like a couple of morons breaking for an ad uh, that have happened. At least, at least we did address the fact that there probably wouldn't be an ad. We did. Um, so... If you guys have any podcasts or anything and you want to chuck an ad in, let me know. I wouldn't mind chucking them in to see what what it's like, see how it sounds. Um, But for the time being, we shan't be doing ads. We are still on Wooshka. Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah. (laughs) Right, Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot, okay. Where to begin? This one's a bit tricky because when I first told you I wanted to put Mr. Robot on the list, I was actually going to give it a really good review. Um... (laughs) My experience in between then and now has changed dramatically. Oh, so it's a bit lifeline-ish, is it? Well, no. <laughs> it's great. No, no, it's, no. So great. it's um, Okay, so, um, it's, okay, very straightforward. Text-based adventure centred around the Mr. Robot storyline. Yep. Uh, it's set, for those that have seen um, it... I, before and, we now, continue, I promise, yeah, okay, good No point. spoilers. <laughs> no, there will be no spoilers, I absolutely promise that. It is set somewhere in the middle of the timeline for the first season. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, I haven't completed second season, so I don't know how close it is there either. I've completed episode one of well, season one. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it's set around the middle of that season. It involves uh, the characters from the show and all that, as you might expect. Now, I saw Mr. Robot, which I love the series. I love the, the depth and the complexity. It's, it's, um, it's a great homage to, to tech nerds like me, but it's also reasonably accessible to, to non-technical people. Um, in a way that they find the drama quite compelling. Great. Telltale Games, awesome. Second tick. Love most oh, of their work. Telltale. It's Telltale Games. They've teamed up with, with USA, the network, and some other mob. Can't remember the... Yeah. Um, and so I thought, fantastic. This game's got to be on a winner. And it initially was. <laughs> so when I say text-based adventure, I'm not kidding. It's set inside a fictional text messaging app 
developed by uh, this large conglomerate that features in the TV show. This e- large evil corporation. Evil corporation. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you, you meet them in episode one. So not well, it's really, not really a spoiler. spoiler saying there's so a corporation. It is, it's the E Corp Messenger. Yep. Um, long story short, uh, you've found a phone on a street, belongs to a hacker, and you get caught up in their their plan, their activities. You you get uh, effectively not quite forced, but convinced that you need to do certain things, uh, social engineering, get get account credentials for people, and get those you know get them privileges, escalation, all the, all sorts of you know hackery type stuff, which is really cool and it appeals to me in a great way. However, <laughs> however. That only lasted for a few days, and then I hit, and it turns out just about everyone else who bought the game hit the same fucking problem, and it looks like it was a major problem with with either the story progression or some bugs in in the app itself, where it just didn't progress. We were left sitting there hanging, waiting for one of the the, the NPCs to get back to us on on a particular activity, etc., etc., and... um, there was nothing and then so then they released a couple of updates to fix that it progressed a bit more and then it's halted again right now I'm stuck in limbo and I've got a a whole bunch of repetitive alerts coming through and I'm not able to respond to the conversation so harking back to the mechanic of it like I said set inside a, a fictional text messenger and the one thing that struck me that they've done really 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 well is that you actually found yourself unwittingly buying into the fiction of the game yeah <laughs> so i'm sitting there i'm at work on your phone no no i'm at work on my computer oh, sorry, literally sorry, i'm yeah. at work yeah. real life dan at work doing his job my phone beeps i look down it's a message on e-corp messenger i go oh shit i go and check it and it's someone i've been waiting on an answer from to get <laughs> some account credentials or get something else done or do another social engineering trick fuck i better deal with this and I found myself actually <laughs> buying into the story in a in a it was it was I don't know how else to put it. It's so next episode when Dan's doing Fireside <laughs> full time because he's been fired, he bought into it a little too much. No, it wasn't so much that. It was just they did such a re- a really good job of getting you to buy into that storyline mm. mentally and yep. emotionally, um, and. I found myself checking back on the messenger every now and then to see if I had a message waiting or to see if a particular task or activity had been finished. Okay. There was even an NPC in there who you need to use leverage against. Mm-hmm. You've discovered certain things that he wouldn't want discovered. Um, and uh, you also have access to his to, to a member of his family. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you found yourself questioning whether you should use that against him in a serious way or even... Go and do the bad wow, thing. Wow, so it's really and like even, the show. And yeah. then you get to the end of it, and he turns out to be a different person than you expected. And then you're questioning whether you did the right or wrong thing earlier on. It's oh. it's reasonably well, re- really well done. So it sounds for like these it's friggin well written. Bucks. Well, it sounds like it's well written. Except it's for extraordinarily the well written, and it has got uh, uh, the, the the main writer Sam Esmail who does the show um, or who writes the show. It's got his name against it. I think he would probably be a bit upset about the, the current bad publicity it's getting. He's getting a shitload do, of one or two star ratings. Do you think that E Corp are onto what their messenger be. is being used for they and it's be. actually them? <laughs> they could be. Or it could just be they haven't figured out the. Or are they just dumbass execs? They've just, they've just, 
they've I think they've inadvertently introduced a shitload of dead ends in the story, and they're rushing to try and get fixes out. Um, and uh, yeah, well, you want to capitalize on the success of the show. You do. Too, that's and, you know, up season two has just aired, yeah. so they, you know, um, I'm I'm sure they're conscious of that. But there is a shitload of one and two star reviews right now. Um, I'm going to hold out. There's a lot of people saying, screw this, I'm going to go for a refund. And yeah, absolutely, with Google. How, how you much can, is it? It was about, I think it was three bucks, two ninety nine. It's not a lot of money. Internet mentality. Yeah, right? exactly. I'm going to go for a refund. Yeah. Right, the I'm second sitting here something going, goes oh, well, wrong. Look, you know, I've got maybe two bucks worth out of my $3 so far. I'm happy to sit and wait and see if I get the rest of that dollar, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, it's frustrating, sure, but I'm happy to wait. I've got plenty of other games. Um, so what I recommend people do if they're at all interested and they do like the Mr. Robot show is maybe just pay attention to when they do some updates, hopefully uh, later this month or even early October, and keep an eye on the reviews. And if things seem to have gotten better at that point, or just listen in. to Fireside because we'll tell you I it. don't have very much <laughs> left on my phone to play. Um, but look, I realised that today and I'm going to be checking back with you every week to find out if <laughs> it's summary, worth playing yet. It's a text-based adventure <laughs> set inside a text messenger and they've done a really good job of getting you to uh, invest in the storyline yourself. And uh, it's, um, yeah, I found it quite enjoyable. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. That's, uh, that's the episode. But before we finish, let's rate Sopporo. Sopporo. Oh, oh. Um, so when we were reviewing Kieran, I think I went on record as saying that um, I'm a big fan of those crisp Japanese lagers. Mm. Sapporo is no different. Uh, it's no exception, I should say. Um, it's got that nice hint of bitterness at the start and then just smooths out nicely towards the end. Um, and it's just got that perfect, as always, that it sounds weird to use this term, but I'm going to use it anyway. It's got that <laughs> accurate Japanese taste um yes it works for me i I can't articulate it as well as you but it definitely does have that it that Mm. asahi and kiran has and all that i've actually been drinking um kiran all week and really enjoying it but i do find it all right how do i how do i describe this it's not watery Hmm. but it doesn't feel as flavorful as say Sapporo does what I was going to say about it is and I find this about a lot of Japanese beers anyway is that they're somehow strong flavored without being strong beers Mm. it's it sounds a bit contradictory to say that um, but that's kind of how I feel whenever I drink you know Sapporo Asahi Kirin uh, I mean there's a whole bunch of them um but uh, look, I, I find it enjoyable. It's definitely better than average for me. Um, it probably sits a little bit below um, putting in a regular rotation. I'm going to give that a three and a half fire signs. Yep, I'm going to give it a three and a half fire signs as well. Um, based on my new rating schedule, this will not change. <laughs> because I, I, I do in, I do like the flavour. It does have more flavour than than Giren, Although I do find that I like last night I sat down with. I was drinking it like water. Um, it just... I could drink half a bottle if I was thirsty and not yeah. register really a taste until the end, whereas this, you register a taste with every sip. Yep. But it's not It's not like DeVille or Hogarten where every sip is a, a blast oh, of flavour. They're very it's, heavy and full of body, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a bit lighter than that. So yeah, three and a half from me as well. Very good. Okay, so we are part of the Podbros Network. P O P O. 
<laughs> um, let me try that again. We are part of the Podbros Network. P-O-D-B-R-O-S dot com. Uh, there are loads of awesome uh, podcasts there. We're also hosted on Wooshka, which I'm under no obligation to say, but I just want to anyway, because then if the podcast sucks, it's their fault, <laughs> not mine. <laughs> uh, you can also find us on YouTube. Forums are forums at anotherdungeon.com. Feedback at podcast at anotherdungeon.com. Uh, we've got YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, all the usual social media stuff. You know where to find us. Thanks for listening, guys. Good night. Cheers. and sisters, now is the time to open your eyes. The governments and their corporate masters do not want us to speak. Citizens of the world, we are here to help. If you have any interest in waking from your slumber, we are here for you. We have your back. We are F-Society.